Good morning. What do you think about Charbel wearing Florida Atlantic University colors? I was just so impressed with that, you know, cheering for the owls. You know, that's right. Yeah, Charbel. He prayed all week that it would be cold on Sunday so he could wear that headgear, he calls it. So, uh, and we have a lot of New England fans and we overlook that, but, uh, but we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We really are. Well, did you hear the news this week? First time ever in the history of our country, unmarried Americans outnumber married Americans. First time. Uh, back in August, they found now that there were 124.6 million single Americans, 50.2% of the United States population. And what they're finding, even across the globe, is that marriage rates are going down all over the developed world. Now, back in uh, 1976, the year I graduated from Palm Beach Gardens High School, any Gator fans here? Go Gators, you know? That's right. Uh, Ed Easy was the... Uh, was my headmaster when I walked and gave me my degree and uh, big, big days back then. Go Gators. And matter of fact, did you see the game yesterday against Georgia? Wasn't that exciting? Like they came back. That defense finally is showing up for uh, the Gators. I was cheering for the Gators. I'm a Noel guy, but I was cheering for the Gators. Anyways, back in 1976, the year of my graduation, unmarried crowd accounted for 37.6% of the adult population. In the 60s, 72% of us were married. Today, it's less than 50%. So the question that we're often asked today, and the question that people are asking, and married adults and, and single adults and adults in general, are asking more than ever before, to get married or not get married is a very important question. Do you agree with that? Now, Solomon... The wisest man who ever lived, he gave this advice. He says, it's better to eat soup with someone you love than steak with someone you hate. How many agree with that? Yeah, all right, we all agree with that one. All right, how about this one? He continues, better to live alone in a tumble-down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. If you know what's good for you, will not raise your hand on that one. All right. How about this verse? Proverbs 21, 19. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby, complaining wife. <laughs> 3,000 years later, how do we say that today? When mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. Isn't it amazing? 3,000 years old, the advice is still the same advice today. When mom, I say it with me, when mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's right. Better to live alone in the desert, be single, than make a bad pick and have a crabby, complaining wife. Right? Right. And let me just shoot you straight and shoot straight, uh, especially our, our single adults, unmarried adults this morning. All your problems don't go away when you get married. They just intensify. Any married people want to testify to that one? They just intensify. Put your hand down, honey. That's right. Thank you. We have a perfect marriage, just like Brent and Amy. Perfect marriage. Never fought a day in our 35 years. All right. The truth is, you put two sinners together, and guess what you have? More sin. That's exactly, that's what a marriage is. You take two sinners, you put them together, and you have more sin. You have more problems. You have more conflict. Now, is Solomon telling us in these verses not to marry? 
Absolutely not. He's trying to warn us that we're far better off being single, remaining single, than marrying the wrong person. Getting married is one of the most important decisions of your life. Don't mess it up by marrying the wrong person. Don't make a mistake when it comes to choosing a marriage partner or you'll be paying for it and you will be paying for it for the rest of your life. The consequences of divorce can last forever. So this morning, as we continue our study in the book of Proverbs, we want to talk about how do you keep from marrying a fool? And this word fool is found throughout the book of Proverbs. We today would call somebody a loser, all right? So how do you keep from marrying a loser? Three things, go slow, grow up, and stay alert. Go slow, grow up, stay alert. Go slow. And almost all relationships, the decision to get married is made too quickly. Go slow. Proverbs 14, 15 says this, the naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. The wise, prudent person, the wise, prudent woman gives serious thoughts to her decision, to his decisions. They carefully Consider their steps. Dr. Uh, Neil Warren, professor uh, for years, I don't know if he's still there now, at Fuller Theological Seminary out in Pasadena, California. Um, uh, he wrote a phenomenal book. Anybody getting married ought to get his book. It's called Finding the Love of Your Life. Matter of fact, you probably know Dr. Neil. He's on TV every day. He started what's called eHarmony, you know, one of the marriage, uh, one of those dating websites. And uh, uh, anyways, great professor. He wrote this book, and he begins by examining the seven most prevalent causes of faulty mate selection. Seven most faulty causes for, uh, yeah. Seven most prevalent causes of faulty, faulty mate selection. Number one on his list is the decision to get married is made too quickly. Proverbs 15, 14 says, anyone with good sense is eager to learn more, wants to learn more about who they're dating. But fools, there it is, but fools are hungry for foolishness. They get married too quickly. Kansas State University, matter of fact, I think they got a pretty good football team this year. They did a study, and they found that couples who had dated with each other for two or more years consistently scored higher in marital satisfaction than other couples who had dated for shorter periods of time. They also concluded, and I know there's lots of exceptions, and you can be an exception to the rule, but what they also concluded is that the longer you dated, the better your odds are at staying married. Statistically, that's what they found. They also discovered the ones who are most likely to go fast. Who do you think are the ones that are most likely to get married the quickest? Who? Great question, great thought. I find this to be exactly in keeping with my 35 years of experience as a pastor. Who gets married the fastest? Who gets married the quickest? Come on. The fools. No. <laughs> Young, but somebody else. You know the largest group that does it? Those that are re-entering marriage. Those that are re-entering marriage for the second time, the third time, the fourth time. And you would think common sense would have it that they would know better that they have learned from their mistakes the first time, to go slow the second time, to go slower the third time, to go even slower and take longer the fourth time. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. 
They think, you know, well, I've been married. I know all about marriage. I, I'm amazed when, as a pastor, and I don't do a lot of premarital counseling these days like I used to, but, you know, those are the ones that never want to come in and have premarital counseling. And, you know, I don't need it. I've been married before. And I'm thinking, duh, you know, that's why you do need it. It's because you've been married before. Apparently, it didn't work out the first time. So you're trying again. So don't you want to make sure you do a little better job this time and it works out? But it's amazing. Those are the ones that go the quickest. Those are the ones that think they know all about it. And isn't that just like all of us, you know, our pride stands in the way, keeps us from seeing it, owning it, and learning from it. The number one reason people give for a failed marriage is that they married the what? The wrong person. In other words, they married a loser, right? So if you go slower, maybe you'll be less likely to marry a loser this time. So the first point is what? Go slow. Say it with me. Go slow. Go slow. It's hard. It's hard. And we'll get into that in a little bit. You know, our emotions, our feelings all get in there. Go slow. Number two, grow up. Grow up. Many of you alluded to that. The great majority of us believe in marriage. We want marriage. We value marriage. But too many of us marry too young. The divorce rate for 21 and 22-year-olds is twice as high as 24 and 25-year-olds. Now, there's always exceptions. Jan and I, we were exceptions. We started dating back in high school. I finished college at the age of 20, was always in a hurry, got through four years and three years, and we got married right after I graduated, you know, on my way to seminary. I had to have a wife, you know, go to seminary, and uh, age 20, and my wife, you know, she's, she's so much prettier than I was. She was 20 years younger, man, she was 10, um, and I'm 56, and she's 46, and so, and if you asked either one of us, you know what our advice would be about marriage, we'd say, go slow and grow up, grow up. You don't let three-year-olds play with knives, do you? At least I hope no parents here. You don't let 12-year-olds drive a car by themselves. And you shouldn't be letting 20-year-olds getting married. All right? Two thoughts. Number one, know thyself and know thy partner. Know thyself. Solomon, speaking of, of a young, immoral woman, he says this in Proverbs 5. He says, she, has, she hasn't a clue about real life, about who she is or where she's going. She don't have a clue. Proverbs eleven twenty two. Solomon said this, like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Dr. Warren would advocate and say that very few human beings are fully formed, fully mature until the age of 25. Under the age of 25, we're still wrestling with some of our identification issues and, you know, who am I and how can I gain autonomy and independence from my parents? We're still wrestling with core values and, and core competency, core work, uh, work ethic and work values. What's my career? What has God called me to be and to do? We're still struggling with that. Until the age of 25, we're still wrestling with spiritual formation issues. Do I really believe in God? Do I believe in God enough to really commit my life to him, to trust him, to live as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Statistically speaking, the most stable marriages have a starting date of 28 years of age, statistically speaking. So know thyself and then know thy partner. Know thy partner. What I mean here is let the relationship grow. Let the relationship develop. The truth is it takes time to really get to know another person. It takes time. It takes life experience to really know them, to really understand how the person deals with conflict. Getting married means you're going to have what? Conflict. 
Getting married means you're going to have money conflict. Everybody has money conflict in their marriage or points in their marriage. That's part of getting married. And so before you get married, you got to find that out. I remember doing premarital counseling. I'll, I'll meet with a couple and talking with them, and, you know, and they're just so in love, and they're just gooing, and I, I'm not trying to mimic that, but, you know, they're just so in love. And I say, well, you know, tell me about one of your fights. And they say, oh, we've never had a fight. Really? I, I can't marry you. They said, what do you mean, Dr. Ray? You won't marry us? No, if you haven't had a fight, I can't marry you because that's what happens when you get married. You fight, and you're not prepared for it. i got to help you get prepared to get married. So you go, you have a good fight, and then come back and see me, and we'll talk about getting married because conflict is part of life, and you need to know this person, how they handle conflict, how they work together, how conflict can bring you together rather than bring you apart. Most people today, it separates their marriage. It ends in divorce. So we got to learn how to manage and how to respond to conflict in a way that brings us together. we got to learn how to deal with money issues because money is always an issue in a relationship because what is marriage? It's two sinners coming together, and you've got more what? More sin. That's right. All right. So um, find out. Understand. Know thy partner. Proverbs 12, 4 says this. A good wife, a good wife, is the pride and joy of her husband. Isn't that the truth? Man, that is the truth. Man, a great wife is the pride and joy of her husband. But she who brings shame is like a cancer to his bones. How do you really know this woman if you don't spend some time in the relationship? You need to know her past. You need to know her parents you want to see your future wife, go spend time with your parents. That'll scare you. That'll slow you down a little bit. You want to know what he's really like? Spend a day with his mom and dad. That's the future you, right? You know, we, we don't want to admit to that, but I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I see things and saying, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. But it is so true. It is so true. Sorry, mom and dad. Uh, they come to the second service, and I'll drop that out. Um, but it is so true. Do you really know this woman? Oh, they're here, okay. <laughs> you know what it was? It's the time change. They had to, you know, never mind. Okay. Do you really know this man? Do you know his past track record? Look at this verse, a great verse. Proverbs 26. A malicious man disguises himself. Have you ever dated a guy like that, girls? You know, he disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart, he harbors deceit, though his speech is charming. You've dated one of those? He is so charming. Do not believe him. For seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception. A person's past behavior their past performance is the greatest indicator of their future behavior and let's be honest everybody has issues everybody has issues there's no perfect couple there's no perfect person out there we all have issues but don't you think you ought to go into marriage you know a lifelong commitment knowing their issues rather than being surprised by them later and the only way you can know their issues is to spend a little more time and slow down and grow up. The way you come to know them is by more time and more experience. Marriage is for the rest of your life. God says it's a covenant vow for you, the two of you. And to death do you part. So go slow. Grow up. And then number three, what's number three? Stay alert. Say it with me. Stay alert. 
What are you alert for, man? You're alert for the warning signs, flashing lights that say, loser, you're dating a loser, loser, loser. That's what you're, that's what you're looking for. And what keeps us, I mean, let's be honest, what keeps us from seeing the warning signs, what the Bible calls a fool, that you're dating a fool, what keeps us from seeing that? Good looks, is that what someone you said? Physical attraction. Getting, not just good looks, it's getting too close too soon. It discolors the relationship. It brings confusion. It brings intimacy before you're married. I mean, the old school, God's school, I'm telling you, he's a smart guy, that God. And he said, wait till you get married. And it's amazing how you can have fewer problems and fewer complications if you do that. Because, boy, when you get sexually involved, what happens? Man, you can't see that flashing red light over that guy's head that says, loser, 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 because you're just so in love. Physical attraction discolors reality. Isn't that true? Physical attraction disorients reality. We don't see the obvious. Because we're just so physically intense. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. That's dating. Corroding the bones. So stay alert. Stay alert for unhealthy expectations. Stay alert from someone too eager to get married. Ever dated someone like that? Man, they're just dying to get married. When someone is so eager to get in, that means they're trying to run from something. And that should be a warning light. Loser, loser, you know. I mean, if they're just dying to get married to you, they're running from something. And you need to slow down and stay alert and find out what it is. Stay alert for unhealthy expectations. Stay alert from someone who is too eager to change you. Now, this doesn't happen on the first date, but you kind of let it get going a little while later, and what are they doing? They're trying to change you. They're trying to change you already. You, you know, stay alert. Jeremiah asked this question. Can people change the color of their skin? What's the answer to that? Can a leopard remove its spots? If so, then maybe you can change and learn to do right. You know what Jeremiah is acknowledging? It's not easy for people to change. And the biggest mistake people make entering marriage is this optimistic belief that he will change. Oh, Dr. Ray, I tell you, I, I know I know he'll change. He has a good heart. He'll change. I know he doesn't go to church right now. I know he doesn't know God, but, but he'll change. I know he'll change. I'll change him. She'll change. Oh, she'll change. I, I know she'll change. It's so naive to think that you alone can change anyone. I would say to you, don't marry that person until they do change. You're so convinced that they're going to change and be what you think? Then give it some time, and let's see if they change. And there's always exceptions again, and there's great stories. This church is full of people. They got married, and one's a believer, one's a non-believer, and, and now they both love God passionately. There's exceptions, but, but God in his wisdom is trying to tell us, be careful, be careful. Remember, people's past behavior is the greatest indicator of their future behavior. So we talked about how not to uh, marry a loser, a fool, right? Let's talk about how to uh, marry wisely. Let's get on the positive side. How do you marry wisely? You know, you can fall in love with a lot of people, but that doesn't mean you should marry them. 
It's amazing when you ask the couple that want to get married, why you get married? Oh, we're just in love. I mean, and you know, and I say it and they don't like it, but I say, you know, you can fall in love with a lot of people and probably in your lifetime you will fall in love with a lot of people. Doesn't mean you should commit your life to them. It's not good enough reason to to get married just because you love someone. The question should be, what does God want? What does God really want? Oh, are we compatible? Why do people get divorced according to statistics? If you look on their divorce certificate, what's the number one reason on divorce certificates why people got a divorce? Because of what? That's right, irreconcilable differences. In other words, we don't get along anymore. We used to, but we don't get along anymore. We fight like cats and dogs, you know. They changed, I changed. Irreconcilable differences. We just can't get along. And I believe, and this is just my thoughts, that when all is said and done, the leading cause of divorce is selfishness rooted in incompatibility. Selfishness, it's it's sin. Rooted in incompatibility. We don't get along because we're different. And welcome to the human race. Men and women are different. We don't get along because we're different. And we're unwilling to change. We're unwilling to change. And unwillingness to change and to grow in your life and your relationship is another word for sin. You take two sinners and put them together. What do you get? More sin. So if you want to marry wisely, choose someone you respect. Character compatibility. Choose someone you respect. You know, I've noticed in my marriage as well as in other marriages of numerous people that have great relationships, um, that their marriage and relationship grows over the years if they have one key element, and it's not sex. It's what? Respect. I love a couple. I mean, in our growth group, we have a couple by the name of Jimmy and Annie, and they've been married longer than us. They've been married a long time. We've been married 35 years and whatever. I don't want to, if they're here, I don't want to offend them too now. But, um, but it's amazing. As I spend time with him, I see he has such love and respect for his wife, and she has such love and respect for her husband. It's respect. When there is respect, the relationship seems to grow. When there's a lack of respect, And sometimes over years, that respect goes away. It dissipates. It digresses. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good reputation is a better choice than riches. Esteem is more valuable than money. You need to be looking for character. Character qualities. So what character quality do you look for in a future spouse? That's not if you're not married. Let's be clear here. I'm talking to those of you who are single. Okay. Uh, so what character are you looking for in your future spouse? What's the word? What do you want? What are you looking for? Honesty. Do I really trust this person? And are they honest with me? Respected people do not tell lies. Proverbs 17, 7. A great verse. Gals, for that guy that kind of keeps promising he's going to get you that ring. You, you've heard that, you know, I'm going to get you that ring. Proverbs 25, 15 says this, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts and he doesn't give. Right? You know, he keeps making promises, but he doesn't deliver. Second character quality you look for in a future spouse is not only honesty, but responsibility. 
Does this person keep their promises? Proverbs 13, 17. uh, Irresponsible talk makes a real mess of things. Isn't that the truth? Irresponsible talk makes a mess. But a reliable reporter is a healing presence. So you need to ask yourself, do you really trust and respect this person? Do they say one thing and do another? Are they inconsistent? Are they unfaithful? Or are they responsible? You can't build a relationship with someone who has a hard time telling you the truth. Often I've kind of noticed, you know, in that courtship phase, the guy will come and he'll say, Dr. Ray, you know, I just, I just love her. I just love her so much. She has such a free spirit. I mean, she, she, she's just so much fun, and she's unpredictable, and it, I'm telling you, it's surprise after surprise after surprise. She's just so spontaneous. And then we do premarital counsel, and they get married six months later. He says, Dr. Ray, man, I need to see you. I said, well, what's wrong? This woman is driving me absolutely nuts. I said, well, what happened? She's so spacey and undisciplined and careless and irresponsible. She runs the car to just runs out of gas. You know, she bounces checks. But wait a minute, you told me you loved her because she has a free spirit. He said, yeah, but that was before I married her. You think she's just going to change? People don't change like that. Or the gal who says, man, I love this guy, you know. Uh, Dr. Ray, man, he, he's going to sell his paintings. He's going to do some sketches. He writes poetry. I mean, he is such a great guy. He has such a tender heart. Six months later, she comes back and says, that guy is such a freeloader, he won't find a real job for nothing. You don't want, now there's nothing wrong with being a writer of poetry, all right? Please don't misread into my messages. The point is this, you don't want to marry someone who's irresponsible. Marriage is a very serious commitment. Choose someone you respect. Choose someone you enjoy talking with. Communication compatibility. Someone you enjoy talking with. Conversation is so critical in a relationship. Proverbs 18.5 says, Wise men and women are always doing what? They're always learning. Always what? Listening for fresh insights. So does this person listen to you? Are they always talking? You see, quality communication is the key to intimacy in marriage. You've got to talk about it. You've got to deal with it. Quality communication is the key to conflict resolution in marriage. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, Sharp words cut like a sword, but words of wisdom heal. They heal. The way you learn to work and grow through conflict is by communicating. And creating safety in a relationship where people will communicate and share what they're thinking. So choose someone you respect. Choose someone you enjoy talking with. And then choose someone you're attracted to. Physical compatibility. Don't underestimate the importance of mutual physical attraction. The chemistry, the passion, the sexual attraction to each other. In the book of Genesis, we read about a guy by the name of Jacob. Jacob fell passionately in love with a woman by the name of Rachel. The Bible says she was a beautiful woman. The Bible says when Jacob first met Rachel, he wept aloud. I mean, this guy, he was just so overtaken by this woman, he starts crying. And he's so passionate about this woman, he goes to her father and he asks for Rachel's hand in marriage. Dad says, well, that'd be fine, but you need to work for me seven years, hard labor, and then I'll let you marry Rachel. 
The Bible says this in Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. We all go, aw. And I think that redefines being smitten. I mean, this guy was just bit. He had it, you know. He had that passion for her. And so seven days go, and the big wedding comes, and he's all excited, and he's been working so hard for this woman. He's getting ready to marry her. And the dad kind of does a switcheroo. He kind of feels bad about marrying the younger daughter before the older one, according to their culture, is supposed to get married first. So he puts the older daughter, and the Bible says that she kind of was ugly. So he takes Leah, and he puts her, and he puts her all, and he puts her, this veil in front of her. And Jacob marries Leah, not knowing what he's getting until he got it. And he's a little upset, and he goes back to, I think his name was Laban, uh, Rachel's dad, and says, what's the deal? I worked seven years. He said, hey, if you want Rachel, you've got to work another seven years. So he marries her about a week later. Now he's got two wives. But this guy was in love, right? I mean, that's passionate love. He worked 14 years for Rachel. God has wired us to feel strong feelings of attraction towards certain people. Solomon describes it this way in Proverbs chapter 5. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated. It's the word intoxicated by her love. So choose someone that you're attracted to. And then the fourth one, the most important one, is choose someone that loves God. Spiritual compatibility. Spiritual compatibility. Someone that loves God. Proverbs 19.23 says this. The fear of the Lord leads to what? I hope you get this. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Leads to life. And he who has it will sleep well and will not be touched by sin. The fear of the Lord. The fear of God means to respect God. It means to passionately love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And if you fear God, it leads to what? Life. You can't have life, lasting life, great life in your marriage if the two of you don't know the Lord. It leads to life. You can't experience life in all its fullness. Being married to someone that doesn't know God, you will be spiritually incompatible. That's why the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Now, if you're not married, you might be tempted to ignore this verse because it really cuts down the playing field. Because if you're going to follow what the Bible is teaching and what Solomon advises, you shouldn't be dating someone that doesn't know God because dating leads to marriage. And God says this to protect you, to protect you from hurt and pain and potential problems. We need to realize... That God's a good God. And God always wants what's best for us. He's an all-knowing God. We call it God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. That means God knows what's best. God knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for me. So he says it very clearly. Don't date. Don't marry those that you're not spiritually or you are spiritually incompatible with. 
When one spouse loves God and the other doesn't, it creates this deep dissonance in a relationship. So God says, listen, just don't do it. Avoid it. Don't do it. And God's not trying to be mean. He wants us to experience true, lasting happiness. Spiritual oneness, spiritual compatibility can only be obtained when both parties have the same Savior. So let me ask you this morning. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? Have you really? See, God has a problem with you and and God has that same problem with me. I've committed sins against God in my thoughts, in my words, and in my deeds. And you've committed sins against God in your thoughts, in your words, and in your deeds. And God is righteous. God is perfect. God can't accept me the way I am. And God can't accept you the way you are. And God is just, which means God must punish every sin I've committed. He's a just judge. But the good news, the good news is God has provided through his very own son to take the punishment for us. Jesus was hanging on the cross and God took my sin and your sin and placed it on Jesus Christ. It's called an atonement. He died in our place. He died in our stead. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. And I invite you, if you haven't, to put your faith and trust in him. Can we bow our heads in prayer? And with our head bowed and our eyes closed, can you say this morning, God, I thank you. Can you pray this? God, I thank you for loving me. God, I I thank you for pursuing me. I thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. I invite Jesus Christ to save me, to be my forgiver and leader. Can you pray right now? If you've never prayed that prayer, say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Save me. Be my Lord and Savior. If you're not married this morning, can you ask God to help you to go slow? Say, God, help me to go slow. God, help me to grow up. And God, help me to stay alert. Help me, God, not to go too close too soon. God, help me to stay alert. If you are married this morning, can you ask God to help you to move towards greater compatibility by helping you to be less selfish? By you being willing to change and to grow And let God do all that he wants to do through you and through your marriage. Say, God, change me. Grow me. God, we thank you for the way you have uniquely wired each one of us. God, help us to become more like you. Help us today in our culture, Father, to prize this thing called marriage, to to prize and value and show honor and respect for our spouse. God, help us as men. 
to be great men, to be men of honor and valor, men that respect and treat our wife with dignity and honor. And God, help the wives here this morning to love and to give of themselves and to respect their husbands and to treat them with respect. God, I thank you so much for words that were written 3,000 years ago that are your words that truly can transform our lives, that can keep us from so much pain if we'll listen to your word. God, I pray this morning for the single and the unmarried among us. God, help them. May you be real. May you be present. Give them strength. Give them grace. God, it's hard to be single in our culture today. Help them, Father. Fill them with your spirit. Help them to go slow and to grow up and to stay alert. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.